When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Get enhanced security for your Wi Fi network with Xfinity XFi. If it's connected, it's protected. That's simple, easy, awesome. Go online, call 1 800 Xfinity, or visit today. Restrictions apply. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now, for your host, Dan Mater. And welcome back to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Once again, it's another week, another podcast, moving closer and closer to that oh-so-sweet draft and kickoff that we are all sitting here waiting for listening to this podcast, fantasy football season to begin. It's not the NFL season, it's the fantasy football season. And if you're leading up into the season, one of the things I want to make sure you guys are aware of is that on the Overtime Heroics website, I am actively available in the chat room on threads. I'm constantly posting to the redraft uh, section specifically for the fantasy football section that they have in the forum that you can go ahead and write. I'm constantly on there every single day. So if you have any questions leading up to the draft, any fantasy question whatsoever, maybe it's a a ruling by a commissioner or a rule change to your league or how you should play this or any kind of player information. It doesn't matter what the question is relevant to fantasy football. I guarantee you I'll have a good answer for you if you so wish. So remember, you can find me there. I just want to make sure everyone knows that chat room there. And then, of course, on top of it, make sure you guys are subscribed to me and following me and have the notifications on your alerts up for your Twitter account at MDFF show because there's a lot of news coming out of these mini camps. Guys are looking good. Guys are pulling up having a couple hamstring issues already. Guys that are not looking so good. Uh, so all that, I've been tweeting all that out to you 24-7 as it comes through. As the information passes to me, I give it out to you and it's completely free for you if you just follow me on Twitter at MDFF show. And of course, you always get updated as to when I'll have some new episodes out there as well. I want to make sure everyone is knowing that too. Now, for this podcast, it is going to be the Coaching Changes Fantasy Impact 
part two. We did part one last Monday. So if you haven't listened to that, make sure you go back and download that on your favorite pod app, Spreaker, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, pretty much any podcast app that you go to, the MD's Fantasy Football Show is widely available to you. So make sure you go check that out, listen to this one. And then, of course, next Monday, I'll have part three out to you. And then the following Monday after that, I will have part four out to you. So we cover all of the coaching changes that can have a fantasy impact from 2018 heading into 2019. Today, we have the Titans coaching changes, the Packers, the Jaguars, and the Denver Broncos that we're all going to cover in today's episode. Before we get into that, there is some latest news that I kind of want to get into a little bit fantasy relevant. Uh, I'm going to start kicking off the shows this by doing some latest news around the league type of uh mini segment let's say it's not gonna be a full-blown thing just a couple of couple of things that have been out there that I want to touch on it's usually not what I try to focus on but this has been big and a lot of people have already been freaking out of this in fantasy football perspective and that is the news of Todd Gurley and Tyree Kill so let's start with the Todd Gurley news everyone needs to take a timeout take a chill pill Whatever you got to do, kick back in the hammock over the summer at the beach reading the book because you have to stop acting like Todd Gurley's leg fell off. All right, it's arthritis in knee. It's not a decapitation, which is what everyone seemingly was to act like it is. All of a sudden, I see Daryl Henderson. It's one thing for Daryl Henderson to climb up in dynasty leagues. That makes sense to some degree if you're worried about the long-term effect of Todd Gurley. However, it makes absolutely no sense that Daryl Henderson is climbing his ADP the way he is in redraft leagues. No sense whatsoever. Look, best case scenario for Daryl Henderson is that Todd Gurley comes out, gets hurt week one, his knee flames up, and then we don't know when he plays. So even if that is the scenario... Heading into week two, while Darren Henderson maybe talent-wise could be the starter, he's not going to get a workhorse share back there. They would split him and Malcolm Brown. Until they signed C.J. Anderson when Todd Gurley was out last year, they were doing a running back by committee approach with John Kelly, with Malcolm Brown. Guys kept getting hurt. That's when they signed C.J. Anderson, and C.J. Anderson became the workhorse after that. But this... This is not a situation where Daryl Henderson's going to go ahead and come in and all of a sudden take over as a workhorse back if Gurley was to go down. Malcolm Brown will get worked in as well. So just from that logical standpoint of the best case scenario for Daryl Henderson having tremendous value this season, just from that standpoint, he should not be going as high as what he is. Now, from the reality of the situation perspective, which is what I try to keep everybody grounded, keep bring everybody back when they're going one side or the other on the hype wheel. Look, Todd Gurley's going to be fine, okay? Arthritis, he's not the first player to play with arthritis, number one. Um, he's come off of ACL surgery before and has performed wonderfully uh, since he had ACL injuries in college coming into the pros not the first time he's had to deal with having discomfort in his knee and coming back from that. Look, with the arthritis, it's going to be annoying. Yeah, he's probably never going to practice on a Wednesday at any point this week, which means on all of your fantasy sites, he's going to start every single week as questionable. So if that's something that bothers you, then okay, fine. Maybe Todd Gurley's not the pick that you make. But for all intents and purposes, especially for a guy like Todd Gurley, he could not practice a single Wednesday the entire year, it's really not going to matter. It's all going to be about a pain management 
issue. Can he get comfortable enough? Can they treat it? They've had an entire offseason to prepare to do what they have to do to make sure his knee will be good to go when it com- when it counts on Sunday. That is the most important thing. Now, the other thing is that everyone's freaking out. Well, is it going to be a running back committee even when Todd Gurley's in there? Uh, the short answer is no. It will not be. It will still be Todd Gurley's backfield. Will it be the 90-10 split, the ridiculous astronomical split that it had been between Todd Gurley and the rest of the Rams running backs when he is healthy and in there? No, probably not. But even if you knock it, say, from 90% to 70% or even 65% of the workload, He's still going to be a top five running back, guys, because he's still the best running back at the goal line. He's still the best pass-catching running back on the team. He's still the best running back, period, on the team. He's going to get the touches. I would be shocked if he got anything less than 70% of the workload as long as he's staying healthy throughout the season. I would be shocked. And because he catches the ball, because he can be a big play guy, because he doesn't need... 25 to 28 touches in order to be a top five running back for fantasy purposes going into this season, whether it's standard scoring or half point or full point PPR, it doesn't matter because he doesn't need to touch the ball that if you touch the ball just 17 to 20 times, Todd Gurley, I guarantee you will be at minimum at minimum in the top five in the top five. Arthritis in the knee is not a death sentence. We need to stop acting like it is. So that was the first piece of news that's been going around that I wanted to touch upon. The second piece of news that I want to make sure we talk talk about is Tyreek Hill. Because this situation has gotten incredibly interesting over the past couple of weeks. I, as a as working on my projections, as you all know, getting that out to you about mid-July, the first downloadable draft kit from the MD's Fantasy Football Show that will have projections and rankings. I, at first, while working on this had no intention whatsoever of even bothering to project Tyreek Hill because I did not think being that it, the situation involved a kid and that there was so much so much damning information in it that I did not think he would wind up playing this season. Now it looks a little different. All of a sudden the criminal justice department has backed off because frankly they could not make a determination as to who committed the crime. They are convinced a crime happened but they came out of that investigation not knowing whether it should be Tyreek Hill or whether it was his fiance who caused the injury in the first place. So that has blown this entire thing wide open as far as where it goes for Tyreek Hill because the NFL is then investigating and they were waiting for the permission from child services before they further investigated uh, from there into Tyreek Hill, which means they're still in the middle of that process Yes, it's mid-June, but we know how the NFL works. I would not be surprised if they were not ready to make a determination on this until the season has started. So the way I'm looking at this is that best case scenario, the NFL concludes their investigation, let's say sometime in August, which will have a better idea. It's June. It's still kind of early. We're still not going to know. It's kind of know anything about that right now. But come August, I think we should have a better idea. So hopefully by August, they'll have a ruling. Then at that point... I truly believe, as it stands right now with the information coming out that's making Tyreek Hill look more and more innocent as far as what really happened in that situation, in that terrible situation with his child and his fiance, that it's sounding more and more like it's going to wind up being a Kareem Hunt situation in my mind. The Chiefs did not cut him like they did Kareem Hunt, so 
meaning the Chiefs feel as though Tyreek Hill told the truth more about the situation than Kareem Hunt told the truth about his situation because that was the whole reason why they cut Kareem Hunt in the first place. I think Tyreek Hill is going to get suspended like Kareem Hunt did for eight games. That would be that would be where I would put my money at this point, which is a change because I did not think he was going to play at all this year. To me, after examining what ha- the information that has come out over the past couple of weeks, um, and I'm not I don't want to get into too much detail on that because I want to get onto the coaching changes here. But it does seem to me like he will definitely play at some point this season. It will be for the Kansas City Chiefs, and I don't if he does play at some point this season, which I do think at this point is going to happen. I don't think his suspension will be more than eight games at this point. So that is where I come off on at as of now, where I would feel pretty confident saying I would expect eight games off of that. How that affects my projections, what I'm going to do for that, I still haven't yet determined. The first one, I may leave them off and then update as we get more info and more of an idea as far as when, how many games, you know, when all that's going to take place. So we'll see how that happens. But those are two big things, two big stories for fantasy football uh, importance that were going around that I wanted to be able to touch upon. All right, after this live read here, we're going to get into the Tennessee Titans and the coaching changes. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics. Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. The Tennessee Titans. Alright, for the Tennessee Titans, we are not going to have to spend too much time talking about them. It was a pretty simple coaching change that they had at the end of the day. They leave Matt LaFleur. He goes off and gets the head coaching job in the Green Bay Packers, which we're going to talk about in a second. How big of a mistake that was, but we'll get into that in a second. And... What pretty much Arthur Smith is going to do, he was there as the tight ends coach for the past few years. I mean, back before that, 2007, 2008, he was with the Washington Redskins as a defensive quality control coach, whatever the hell that means. Um, But yeah, he's been the tight ends coach for the Tennessee Titans over the past couple of seasons, which is probably a good thing to have on your resume because that's been the strongest group position for the Tennessee Titans over the past few years has been their tight ends. So definitely a good little check mark in his box. Now, what what are we going to expect from him offensively? Well, I don't think the Titans are going to really look drastically different offensively schematically wise than we have seen over the past couple of seasons I think the main thing that we're going to see is what we saw towards the end of last year because simply the Tennessee Titans would be retarded if they didn't try to go in to this season building off of how they finished last season which was the last about month or so you handed the ball off to Derrick Henry but it wasn't just that they're handing the ball off to Derrick Henry it wasn't that they were just making him a more of a workhorse type where Deion Lewis was truly playing second fiddle and more third down work it was they made the decision to finally become a physically dominating knock you off your ass the line of scrimmage offense 
physical offense, physical run-first offense. That is what they have been built to do for a long time. Because they have been trying to make this Marcus Mariota's team for a while, they have kind of backed away from wanting to do that as much, especially since DeMarco Murray was, was getting older his last season, and then last year when he wasn't on the team at all. They've really seemed have shown that they wanted to try to turn the ball over to Marcus Mariota to make it his team. That has not worked out. He has not developed as a passer, unfortunately. And as far as receiving options go, when Delaney Walker went out, it was definitely very, very glaring that they were missing something on that offense, and Corey Davis could not get it done by himself. So now Arthur Smith comes in and takes over. They drafted A.J. Brown. So now they have two decent young wide receivers. Mariota's still young too if he can if he can develop and maybe Arthur Smith is can get him in his rhythm or at least just stick to what it is he's good at and not put him in situations uh, that he's not co- totally comfortable with. This is the one coaching change that it's kind of interesting to me because there's going to be while still going to be a different scheme per se than what LaFleur is going to run in Green Bay and what he probably wanted to run in Tennessee, even though it really didn't look much different than any other years past when LaFleur took over, which I thought was very interesting, but we'll get to that in a second, is that there's still going to be quite a bit of continuity here because it's the coach that's already been on the staff for the past few seasons. Uh, since Mariota was a rookie, he was coaching the tight ends. That's been what Mariota's targeted for mostly the, for the most part since he's been in the league. So, as a result, there's there's a bit of continuity here, and I think you kind of already have a familiarity with what you guys like to do. And I think the biggest thing is just that it's going to be focused in on them being a physical run-first team and then working off of that with play action with some maybe some RPOs. Getting that extra weapon in A.J. Brown with Corey Davis I think is huge. And Delaney Walker coming back. I don't know what Delaney Walker has left. We'll find out. Uh, he's coming off of a bad injury. He's 37 years old, we'll have to see. But that's what we can kind of expect from Arthur Smith. So Derrick Henry is definitely going to be getting the work first. Deion Lewis will be second fiddle to him. I still expect Lewis to come in a lot on third downs within that offense because still Derrick Henry is still just not that good of a pass catcher at the end of the day. Uh, but I do think there's going to be more of an emphasis on making sure Derrick Henry is running the ball at least 18 times a game, I think would be their game plan. And that, I, I think that would be a minimum if, if everything went well. Now they're going to have games where they're going to be trailing. They're going to be forced to throw a little bit more often. So you won't quite hit that number. But I think if everything went the way the Titans wanted it to, what their game plan is going to be week in and week out, I think you're looking at Arthur Smith trying to get Derrick Henry at least 18 carries off of that. Mariota, as a result, I don't think his fantasy impact will be much different than it really has been the past few seasons unless he comes out and shocks the world and suddenly take that step up that a lot of people had expected him to take at this point. I don't see that happening. Maybe he can sure up some things where he doesn't look as bad as he did at times over the past few years with Arthur Smith. But as far as him just suddenly taking a step up in his development, I'm not expecting that. So from a fantasy perspective, I don't expect him to be much different than what he has been. Kind of goes to the same thing with the pass catchers. Like I said, I don't. we don't know what we're going to get Delaney Walker out of a physical, athletic standpoint. What do you have left coming off of this injury? Um 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. <laughs> Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Janu Smith is there. Janu Smith is, is a decent athlete. I don't think Janu Smith's going to really be the answer long term. But you know with Arthur Smith being the tight ends coach, being that the type of offense is going to run, there's still going to be an emphasis on throwing the ball to the tight end. So I don't think the receivers this season are going to be great. Corey Davis, to me, is I think he's actually now finally going where he always belonged. Last year, a lot of people thought he was going to take the step up along with Mariota. It never came to fruition. And I really wasn't sure why people thought that because there was really no evidence pointing to that being the case going into last season. And there's no evidence, once again, pointing pointing in that direction for Corey Davis to suddenly take a step up from a production standpoint either. If anything, if anything, it would it would be lessened because... Now Walker is he he had the whole team to himself last year and he wasn't able to do much with it. Now part of that you could argue is that he was covered all the time. There's nobody else to worry about that offense, which is a valid point as far as that goes. But you're going to be adding on AJ Brown. Delaney Walker is coming back. So with those guys coming back and in AJ Brown's case coming in, I don't see where Corey Davis would suddenly get this bump up, even in the new offense and a run first team at that. So I'm not expecting Corey Davis to really have much of a change as far as his fantasy impact goes. It's really, at the end of the day, Derrick Henry who gets the bump up in this coaching change. Everyone else I would kind of just expect to be the same. Maybe if Arthur Smith proves himself a worthy offensive coordinator, we can see improvements uh, across the line of the skill position players for fantasy purposes. But until we actually see that come to fruition, I think the only reasonable expectation you can have right now is that this will give a boost to Derrick Henry. So let's move on here to our next team. The Green Bay Packers. And speaking of the devil, we get to go talk about Matt LaFleur of the Green Bay Packers, the new head coach, the guy who literally has done absolutely nothing to deserve a head coaching position. All right, he was an offensive assistant coach for the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, back in 2017, before he became the offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans, and now the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. And as we just got ta- done talking about the Tennessee Titans, uh, Mariota showed no improvement. 
Corey Davis showed no improvement. Uh, that offense looked eerie similar to the offense that they had previously hiring Matt LaFleur to come in to be the offensive coordinator in the first place. There was basically no change whatsoever. So I'm still trying to figure out where what Matt LaFleur did that was so good offensively with the Tennessee Titans and what he did with Sean McVay being the one who called the plays for the Rams and his time spent there, that he suddenly deserves the head coaching job of the Green Bay Packers over Aaron Rodgers and company with Devontae Adams. Why all of a sudden he deserves that job? When I wanted the Packers to fire Mike McCarthy and I was calling for his head probably just as much as I was calling for Adam Gase's head uh, a season ago as well. And this was not what I had in mind. It wasn't bringing the another guy who runs a version of the West Coast system, but runs it poorly than all of the other coaches who run that system. Uh, Matt Lafleur coming in, we don't know. We don't know. He, he it took him until what the last month of the season to finally play the better running back in a starting role. I don't know what he's going to do with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. The first for the first two months, the only things out of his mouth was that oh, it could be running back by committee. They're both really good. I'm going to try to use both of them. Blah 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 blah. I'm like, is this is this not why Mike McCarthy was fired predominantly in the first place? His offense became uh, incredibly predictable and archaic, and the fact that he would not play. Aaron Jones and just start him and feature him for the life of me. I could not never understand and really anybody else. Is that not the reason why this guy got fired a year ago because he was not playing his best talented players because he was not putting him in the best positions to win? I don't know what Matt LaFleur is going to come in and change. Are you going to run the McVay system? I think ideally, I think in the the intention is that that it's going to be the case. I think that's what everyone is expecting at this point. But I don't know that's what you're going to do because uh, you haven't showed it. You had the opportunity to try to run that offense with Tennessee Titans, and you really didn't do that. So it's going to be curious to see. The Packers do have the pieces in place, kind of. They don't. So, like Zach Taylor coming in for the Cincinnati Bengals that we talked about last week in in part one, he comes into a situ- situation with the Bengals where they already have like the perfect pieces in place to run the exact same scheme that he's just coming out of. So it fits better. The Packers are, are they're built a little bit differently. Look, I love Aaron Jones to death, but he still has to come a long way in pass blocking. That's kind of the only reason why I could see why there might be a legitimate reason to to play Jamal Williams in a significant way uh, over Aaron Jones, even if it's just a third of the time, which it's still too much, frankly. But if Aaron Jones can't pass check, you need to make sure Aaron Rodgers doesn't get hit. And that offensive line uh, didn't really improve and has a history of being injury plagued throughout the season. And that they didn't really didn't change much on that offensive line either. So that's kind of the scary part there. And then on top of it all off, Devontae Adams, he's not really like any one receiver on the Rams. I guess if he's going to use him like anybody, it would probably be like the Robert Woods role where you're having between the intermediate deep routes, maybe switch him inside the slot and bounce him out in the perimeter and kind of move him around in that sense from time to time. Uh, but then scaling, scaling works better from the slot, but he's not a Cooper Cup type. He's more of a, I, he works better from the slot by stretching the scene type. And then you have Geronimo Allison, who I would say arguably would be more of a uh, Robert Woods type of if, if all of things. But then those two guys are like that. So what are you, you going to have Scantling just play the Cook's role just because he's he's a little bit faster and can stretch the field out? I mean, thus far in camp, the reports coming out have been that Valdez Scantling has been doing very well within the offense. And from 
from everything that they have seen so far is that when they go first team and they go two receivers, it's been Scantling out there, not Toronto Allison. So it's looking like Scantling maybe taking over that number two. So maybe they are going to use him like Cooks. But while I had no problem with we want to use him as the deep start receiver on that offense, I think we saw last year when they had Scantling play the slot compared to when they had him playing the outside because then they tried to play St. Brown in the slot and move Scantling out to the outside in some in some parts of the season. It really just didn't work as well. Um, you know, all this talk about the fact that the that the Aaron Rodgers and you know, pretty much the entire team have been able to pick up uh, Matt Lafleur's system already and already understand it. I don't know. That's really a great compliment. Um, I mean, on, on one hand, I do hate it when coaches think that a that their playbook's not good unless it's complicated. Uh, but on the other hand, there is such a thing as too simple because that usually makes you really predictable, really vanilla. And uh, that could be something that was the case with Matt LaFleur. Like I said, I have no faith in this decision right now. He hasn't shown me anything. He was given an opportunity to be the offensive coordinator, and he laid a complete egg as far as I'm concerned with all the things that he could have done. And it wouldn't have taken much. Just some improvement with Marcus Mariota, some some noticeable change in the offense from the previous uh, coaching coaching regime it just it didn't look any different there was no improvement so I just I'm I'm very unsure here now maybe you can make the argument like hey it's coming in with Aaron Rodgers coming with Devontae Adams coming in with Aaron Jones he has more of the pieces in place to be able to run the offense that he really wanted to run in the first place that could be the case I'm, I'm not taking that away and saying that it won't be but at the end of the day I think this is going to turn more into Aaron Rodgers this is our scheme that we run, but you go ahead and you just pretty much run the offense. And I don't know how that's going to be any different than Mike McCarthy, and I haven't seen anything, read anything, heard anything that would suggest that Matt LaFleur somehow is taking control and implementing a new wrinkle that will make me think otherwise as far as that point goes. So it remains to be seen. At the end of the day, in theory, with this coaching change, in theory, theory this will be something similar to what the Rams do in the sense of it'll probably be a zone blocking run scheme which I do think would be good for Aaron Jones and I do think right now would fit that offensive line because the offensive line doesn't have a lot of girth but it does have a couple of guys who can move for their size and be a little more athletic so I do think that scheme would work well for the running game uh, it totally goes out the window if he tries to do running back committee with Jamal Williams, though. So that would be my one caveat because he's talked about that, and that's what he really wanted to do while he was in Tennessee. So we'll see if he learns from Mike McCarthy's mistake, but yet to be determined, especially based off of what we've heard and seen so far. That would fit them well. Aaron Rodgers, of course, can. Be Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers. There's not a system out there that Aaron Rodgers can't make look, can't make look good. Okay, even even McCarthy, I think, got an extra two years as the Green Bay Packers head coach just because Aaron Rodgers was able to carry him there and make it look not totally pathetic at times. All right, so you're fine there. Devontae Adams is going to be your go-to wide receiver. There's nobody Rodgers is going to trust more at the end of the day. You still have Allison who's developing. You still have Scantling who's developing. He's going to be that focal point. You're going to move him to slot. You're going to keep him on the outside. Like I said, I think Adams is going to play that Robert Woodsy role. If they if they do try to set it up like that, he's just, he's going to demand the middle of the field uh, or the intermediate part of the field. 
Um, so he's, that that's where he's going to be at. I think he's going to be a target monster this year. Uh, I really do think Devontae Adams, from a, from a fantasy wide receiver perspective, is going to be a top three. I think he's right there with Hopkins and Julio. I think he, it's a really tough argument to make to knock him out of that top three for anybody else at this point, quite frankly. Uh, that, would, that would be my three guys right there. Uh, I haven't even finished projections, but I can tell you that that's going to be my three guys. But at the same time, I don't know how much is that due to the coaching change because I think Devontae Adams would be there going into this season regardless. A, he was there last year under the terrible offense that was Mike McCarthy and the Packers last year. And B, I think he's still a younger guy who's getting even better at the position and Rodgers is trusting him more and more. So I think it was a given no matter who the offensive coach was going to wind up being that Devontae Adams was going to be right there anyway. So I don't think that has any impact to do from the coaching standpoint. Where the coaching where the coaching impact come in would be with Scantling as being rumored as the number two receiver as of right now. That's where the impact will be. What role do you play? Do you play the Cooks role? Do they try to have Geronimo Allison maybe play the slot Cooper Cup role? Uh, those are the things where the coaching fantasy impact could come into play. I do like Scantling's talent. I like the fact that he's a taller guy who can stretch the field. We'll see what happens. Uh, but I, I got to be honest with you, I don't have a great feel for what that's going to mean. I've seen, I saw Scantling try to play in the perimeter last year. It didn't go great. Now it was his rookie season. It usually takes receivers a couple of years to learn how to get off the line on a consistent basis against NFL corners. So that it could be just part of his development. But with Matt LaFleur, he hasn't shown me anything to make me feel like he's good at developing guys or good at putting guys in position to uh, over-succeed, uh, over-achieve is the word I'm looking for there. So we'll see what happens. Like I said, as of now, the only thing I can give you is that Scantling's going to be number two. Devontae Adams is going to get targeted heavily. The system run should fit well for Aaron Jones, and Rodgers is Rodgers. And that pretty much that's pretty much what the head coaching position is. Uh, and to back all that up, it's not like, it's not like Matt LaFleur brought in a, an offensive assistant coach with him that has shown great creativity, uh, especially with the passing game's concerned anyway, because he brought in Nathaniel Hackett from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, he was their quarter. He was the Jaguars' quarterbacks coach. We'll all remember he was he was the offense coiner up until he got fired through you know I think it was about week twelve through the season like a year ago. Um, yeah, and all he really did in Jacksonville was power run, power run, power run with Leonard Fournette, and they had Blake Bortles. Where he, and when Fournette wasn't playing, he would do a lot of shotgun RPO with with Blake Bortles, and we all saw how that went. Now, I guess you can make the argument from a fantasy perspective. There were times that Blake Bortles was actually like a really viable streaming option to be able to go with. Uh, it was never it was never a pretty offense though is more my point. And Hackett, if anything, runs something more closer to what LaFleur did with the Tennessee Titans a year ago than what Sean McVay does out in Los Angeles coming from that tree. So it, it, <laughs> it's kind of where I, I don't know what we're going to see. I'm not convinced it's going to be the Rams type of offense uh, for this. So as something that we're, I think we're, we're, we're probably going to have yet to see, I do think it's going to wind up coming down to this is what our concepts are schematically, and Rodgers, you just run the offense. I really think that's what's going to be the, the going to be the way the Green Bay Packers conduct things this year. Maybe Aaron Rodgers likes that more because maybe he just has more control than he did under Mike McCarthy, more more ability to call audibles, more ability to make it his, uh, and just say the hell with the coach. I'm going to do what I want, and maybe that maybe that'll be the case. Uh, the only thing I can say 
that I do feel strongly will be an improvement part will probably be the tight ends. I do think Matt LaFleur is going to come in. He used the tight ends quite a bit last year. I'm going to say it's Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith is still just the position coach. It was Matt LaFleur calling the plays. And even without Delaney Walker, the tight end the tight ends as a group for the Tennessee Titans did perform pretty well. So I do expect Jimmy Smith to Jimmy Smith, Jimmy Graham to a, you know, get more than one touchdown that that, that's first and foremost. I expect him to get back to being more of a red zone targeted guy with this offense, but I wouldn't be surprised if we saw his numbers all in general, take an uptick and maybe have a little more volume uh, in store for him with the crossing pattern and everything that they like to run in Tennessee with the tight ends. I think that would fit Jimmy Graham really well, especially off of play action, if they're able to get that going, uh, which is, works really well normally with the zone scheme, bootleg out with Aaron Rodgers, hit the tight end coming over across. That's something that should be right in Matt LaFleur's playbook, and it's something that should work very well for Rodgers and Jimmy Graham on that play as well. So that is something I do think there will be an improvement of production at the tight end position with this coaching change, but that's really the only thing I feel like as of now I can give you as for certain and just giving you an idea of what to expect out of this team. So right after this live read, we're going to come back on the other side with the Denver Broncos. Do you need more places to find the MD's Fantasy Football Show podcast? Go to and try out places like Podcast Addict, Simplecast, Overcast, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, and many more to be conveniently available to you. Or just go directly to the website, www.mdffshow.com. The Denver Broncos. So, of course, with the Denver Broncos, the main coaching change is Vic Fangio, a defensive coach. But that definitely has some implications here. First of all, you're in IDP leagues. If you're, if, and of course, if you're in a redraft league of any sort, you probably have a defense you're going to draft, right? Well, Vic Vangio, Denver Broncos defense is a match made in heaven, especially going into 2019. There's no doubt about that. Look, Vic Vangio has had his best defenses when he has a premium pass rusher. Alden Smith and the 49er defenses were great. Khalil Mack with the Bears defense last year was fantastic. And now he's going to a situation that I actually have not seen him before. And that is you're going to a situation where you have a team that has two premium pass rushers in Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. Look, Vic Vangio, his playbook, his schematics by nature is not overly aggressive. But what he does do a very good job of is moving around, stunting, getting those pass rushers in position to have really good seasons, especially when they're top talent like Von Miller, like Bradley Chubb. So it will be interesting to see how he coaches it, knowing that he has two pass rushers that he's going to want to use every single play rather than just one has his defense changed because he's really a zone guy where he's going to teach his defense how to be more physical. And one thing you can always count on a Vic Vangio defense to be able to do is you can count on them to be able to tackle. He's a great fundamentals coach. And I think he's exactly what the Broncos have needed. Look, the Broncos have way too much talent on that defense to be just just being a notch above the middle of the pack when it comes to defense over the past couple of seasons there under Vance Joseph. Uh, I mean, as the big, to me, that's the biggest damnation to Vance Joseph ever is the amount of talent you had on that defense, being a defensive-minded coach, and yet still making that defense look like it's just a notch above mediocre, essentially. That's not going to be the case here. 
Look, the biggest thing that they need is to be able to stop the run. Now, they didn't really address that personnel-wise, and it'll still be interesting to see, but because Vangio is such a good coach at getting a defense to play more physical and be able to tackle better and play your assignments better and just play more disciplined football overall, I think this defense is really going to flourish under that because now, all of a sudden, Bradley Chubb and Von Miller, A, I think are going to have better seasons than they did a season ago uh, under Vic Vangio as well, but now, all of a sudden, that defense defense is not getting obliterated by the run. Now, Von Miller is not getting down blocked and crack blocked 24-7. Now, all of a sudden, they're getting in situations where it's going to be third and long, and they get to pin their ears back and go. I think it was a match made in heaven. I think the Broncos are going to be a top three defense you're going to want to own in fantasy football this season. Definitely my number uh, one defense as far as the most improved uh, expectation goes for sure. And right now, the Broncos defense is really cheap. Their ADP has them in the bottom 10, uh, not the bottom, not the bottom 10 of defense, but the bottom half of the top 10 defenses to just be clear. Uh, right now, that's where they have them going. So you can get the Denver Broncos for really cheap, even cheaper than you're getting defenses in general. And I really, truly believe they're going to be a top three defense now with Vic Fangio leading the way. And if, already, if you've been paying attention at all to what's going on in the Broncos camp thus far in minicamp with Vic Fangio, if you've been listening to the comments from Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, everyone is pretty much saying the same thing that I'm echoing, the same thing I already knew was going to be the case because of his coaching style, and that is he is coaching us the way we need him to. That was pretty much a quote out of Von Miller right there. He's coaching us the way I've always wanted to be coached coached more physical, more disciplined, tougher, just mentally tougher as well. So I do think those are all things that the Broncos really, really needed from a defensive standpoint. On the offensive side of the ball, where you're talking about, you know, you got all of your fantasy players, Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman, what do we expect out of Emmanuel Sanders? The, the offense they're going to be running is going to be a Kyle Shanahan-esque offense. Rich, all right, let me see if I can get this now. Scangarello because I wanted to make sure I got that right. Rich Scangarello, he spent the past two seasons as the quarterback's coach for the San Francisco 49ers. It's kind of a mixed bag when you try to judge him based on that, because it's like, well, you had Jimmy Garoppolo, he keeps getting hurt, and then you're playing guys like C.J. Bethard. And, I mean, if one thing I think you can give him some credit for if you want to put a check in the plus column is the fact that Nick Mullins came out of literally nowhere and actually had a great second half of the season for a guy who was a bum squad off the street about just before they picked him up and put him in the game and started him over C.J. Bathard when Bathard got hurt and then all of a sudden never gave the job back because he was just that much better than the scrub that is C.J. Bathard. Uh, so if you want to put a check in the plus column, you can definitely give him credit for Nick Mullins playing as well as he did in his rookie season and coming literally coming literally out of nowhere. Uh, I was quite impressive with what he was able to do. So that's the type of offense they're going to run. At the end of the day, I think that's the perfect offense to do. Now, is, is Scangarello, is he as gifted as a play caller as Kyle Shanahan is, McVay is, as some of the top offensive coach minds in the game? That'll be remain to be seen, of course. But on paper, with the scheme that he's expected to run, which is, you know, it's it's Kyle Shanahan's offense. So in a long-term way, it's, you know, a newer version of the old Mike Shanahan offense, which is what we know John Elway wanted because he wanted Gary Kubiak to actually be the one to take over this team. And when that fell through and Kubiak decided he wasn't going to be able to be healthy enough to be a head coach, uh, they went this direction, but that was the offensive system that John Elway wanted to have in place. And it makes sense to me. 
especially since this team is going to be a run-first team because you have Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. Uh, you're going you're going to have question marks as far as how good is the passing game going to be because you don't know what you have in Emmanuel Sanders. And from a fantasy standpoint, I'm not drafting Emmanuel Sanders. I don't care if he comes out in training camp and is just like, oh, he's looking good. He's probably going to start. He's going to be the number two. No, no, no. I'm going to have to see it before I believe it. You're a 30-year-old wide, over 30-year-old wide receiver now at this point, coming off an Achilles injury, and you're a type of receiver that depended on your speed and separation ability to be able to play in this league. You're not a big physical wide receiver where you can kind of get away with it a little bit more and have a role in the red zone and be able to get jump off. That's not what you do. You lean on your speed. So I'm going to have to see it before I believe it. I will not be drafting Emmanuel Sanders in any of my redraft leagues this season, and I don't think any of you guys should either. There's just no... Even though you're getting get him in double-digit rounds right now, that it's still not low enough. Emmanuel Sanders needs to be a waiver pickup after you see what it is he can or cannot do after this injury. So it comes back to my 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 point about Scangarello here is that you know Cortland Sutton's gonna come in and be the number one receiver and then you're talking about is Deshaun Hamilton, Tim Patrick, those guys who showed flashes of being able to be competent wide receivers a season ago. There's no doubt about that. But are still guys that are really young, really developing, still don't totally know what they are yet because they weren't highly touted. You don't really know what their talent's going to be after the teams have a full year of game tape on them to see what they can do to possibly take them away. So while I like Cortland Sutton a lot, I do think Cortland Sutton's body type fits that Kyle Shanahan-esque offense well to be the ex-wide receiver to be that main perimeter guy I do think he fits that well but I think he's still he's still a guy who showed last year that he's still raw he's going into his second year he's still developing uh, so those are things to kind of take into consideration I will say them drafting Noah Fant was excellent for for a couple of reasons one Noah Fant fits his offense perfectly have you been watching George Kittle Noah Fant's just an even faster version of George Kittle to me at this point uh coming into his rookie season I do think Noah Fant should start from the get-go because I to the point I was just making with Emmanuel Sanders and then you're leaning on Cortland Sutton you're leaning on all these young receivers you're going to need as many athletic freak targets as you could possibly get for Joe Flacco. And that brings me to the second point. The second reason why Noah Fant, drafting Noah Fant was a great idea was because you have Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco has pretty much made his living, made his career off of being able to target the tight ends. And in this offensive system, I think it fits Flacco really well. It fits Fant well, but with Flacco... Flacco really is a play-action quarterback. And I know over the past few years, he's kind of turned to this dink and dunk guy. It has a lot to do with the West Coast, Marty Morning League-type West Coast system that they have been running the past few years in Baltimore, which I always thought was retarded because Joe Flacco is not a guy... He's not Tom Brady, all right? I, I don't know why they ever tried to make him in the B. He's not that accurate. He's not a guy who I want throwing the ball 45 to 50 times a game and thinking you're going to win. It's not going to happen. It's not what Joe Flacco is. He is a guy, though, that if you have a decent running game and you're able to take play action and he can take his shots periodically throughout games, that's when he's going to give you his best play. This is probably the first offense where he's going to have the capability to do that since they went on their Super Bowl run where they're going to be set up to do this. It's going to be a run-first offense. The zone scheme, of course, works. It's perfect for Phil Lindsay. It's perfect for Royce Freeman. I expect that running game to be 
just at almost just as nearly effective as it was a season ago because I can't say it's going to be more effective because Philip Lindsay, Roy Freeman, they really did play well uh, a season ago. It's hard to, it's hard to think from a production standpoint that there would be even more improvement. Maybe there will, but I think they should be just as good, uh, which makes them very, very valuable as a result. That's going to open up the play action pass. I don't think from a fantasy standpoint, Joe Flacco is even going to be a streaming option this year. I'm not saying that. But I would have my eye out on Noah Fant, even in a redraft league, if you want to take a tight end late. Because here, here's my motto when it comes to tight ends when you're talking about redraft leagues, okay? I'm going to put a little strategy on you right now. If you don't take one of the top three tight ends, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, if you don't take one of them in the first three rounds, which is what you're going to have to do if you get one of the three of them, I'm waiting until the back end of the draft when I'm looking at defense and kickers, that's when I'm going to take a tight end. I'm not go I'm not going in between. I'm not wasting my my sixth, seventh, eighth round pick on an Evan Ingram type, even though these like Eric Ebron type, even though these guys could have good seasons. I'm not saying that they won't, but I'm not going to spend my pick on what could be a premium flex player, wide receiver two, running back two in those positions on a tight end who, even if he's a top 10 tight end at the end of the day is really not saying much. And at the end of the day, it's still an inconsistent place to get points out of. I'm waiting to the back end to take an upside tight end. That upside tight end, given the offensive scheme, given the quarterback, is Noah Fant, even in his rookie year. I don't see why he can't have a similar rookie season that Evan Ingram had in his rookie year, which would make him a great steal at the back end of the draft, which is where he's going with his ADP right now. So I do think those systems sits up perfectly. The only question mark I would have, like I said earlier, would be, you know, what kind of play caller is Gangarel going to be? That part we don't know yet, but the system does fit what they have right now if you're looking for value in different places. All right, we're going to take one last live read break. Come back. It's going to be a quick segment on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Not going to be a ton to talk about there. We mentioned Jacksonville Jaguars, and then we're going to close down the podcast. Are you looking for a new way to get player fantasy news before your friends? Well, now you can. If you follow this show at MDFF Show on Twitter, you will be kept up to date with all the important player fantasy news 24-7 throughout the season and beyond. You will also be notified for new podcasts on Twitter and on Facebook at MDFF Show. And don't forget to check out the website for new episodes and great research information such as projections, rankings, and more at MDFFshow.com. The Jacksonville Jaguars. Do you think when John DeFuppio got the offensive coordinator job for the Jacksonville Jaguars, the first thing he did was bend down and say, thank you, Nick Foles? Because there's no way in the world that this guy would be an offensive coordinator or really, frankly, probably anything more than a quarterback's coach anywhere in the NFL, if coaching at all in the NFL, after the abysmal season that he put together as a play caller for the Minnesota Vikings a season ago. This is another one of those situations where I, well, I can't say that I totally don't understand why they hired him. He doesn't deserve the job. I can say that wholeheartedly, but you brought him in basically to be the pitch guy, because they pretty much decided from the get-go that they wanted to go after Nick Foles, which was made obvious by the contract that they paid him, even though nobody else was going to be paying him anywhere near that amount. So that's why you brought him in, because you know Nick Foles well. He's pretty much the reason why you got the offensive coordinator job 
over with the Minnesota Vikings to begin with. So they're bringing him in, hoping that there will be some kind of comfort level, making the transition as smoothly as possible. Because in the Jaguar situation, you are a team that is built to win now. That defense is built to win now. Leonard Fournette, as long as he's healthy with, a, with the, what, what that run game could be with him there and that defense, you are built to win now. You're, you are thinking of it through the lens of just needing a competent quarterback play. So what do you do? You bring in the guy who's the offensive coordinator who you had all the success in the world with to hope a smooth transition and be able to already know what the strengths and weaknesses of that player are. That is probably the most positive I will you will ever hear me be on John DeFilpio now or ever again after this. Uh, at the end of the day, it's he's not going to be his offense. So the biggest thing I felt like when examining the Jaguars and examining this coaching change was that I had to make it clear that it was not going to be his offense because it seems to be the idea that he's going to bring elements of the Eagles offense what they did he's not going to one they don't have the personnel to do anything they did in Philadelphia that that that's number one number two the guy just got fired because he threw the ball too much guess what you're not going to do with the Jacksonville Jaguars with Doug Marone as the head coach and Tom Coughlin looking down from above you're not going to throw the ball too much I'm gonna tell you that right now this is still going to be Doug Marone's offense to, for the most part, on this team, it's still going to be a run-first team, and we've we've talked about this, and we've we've heard about this that you know Leonard Fournette is gearing up to get ready to be more involved in the passing game. It sounds to me like Leonard Fournette is going to pretty much be given every chance possible to be the workhorse back until or if he gets hurt this season. That's what it sounds like. They're going to give him every opportunity. You're going to be out there on third downs. You're going to be out there running the ball. And pretty much unless you get hurt, you are going to be our workhorse for us. And if it wasn't clear before we got into minicamps that that was going to be the case, well, it's definitely clear now at minicamps. But also, it's, if you paid attention at all to what they did to the depth chart behind him, they let TJ Yeldon walk. They drafted a guy, didn't really spend that much draft pick capital on him, brought another backup. They didn't bring anybody who is going to push Leonard Fournette to take touches away from him in any kind of way other than when it's time to give him a breather. That's it. They didn't they didn't even bring they didn't bring anybody with that much talent with that much of a reputation just in case he gets hurt, which I thought that part was surprising, but it indicates to you that they have every every intention to make Leonard Fournette the workhorse this season. And they're going to be a run-first team. So John DeFilippi is not going to come in. He's not going to do what he did with Minnesota last year. He's not going to throw the ball over 600 times and start off the season. I think Kirk Cousins was averaging between 45 and 50 throws a game for like the first month of the season. That's not going to happen with Nick Foles. But they're also not going to be able to do what they did with Philadelphia because they simply do not have the wide receivers. They don't have the big body wide receivers. And this is why, this is why amongst many other reasons Nick Foles is going to be a 100% complete and utter failure, flop, disappointment in Jacksonville. I'm going to tell you that guys that right now. The only thing that saved Nick Foles in Philadelphia was that Nick Foles is good at throwing jump balls to physical wide receivers who can make plays on it. Who do the Jaguars have who can do that? They don't have the tight end. They don't have, Keenan Cole's the tallest receiver they have. He's no Alshon Jeffrey. He's not going up there and bodying up people and making jump ball catches. That That's not going to happen. Uh, Marquise Lee, we don't know when he's coming back. It doesn't even sound like he might be ready for training camp. D.D. Westbrook is probably your best playmaker on the team. And uh, 
Nick Foles has pretty much gone throughout his entire career showing you that he doesn't like to throw to the small guys. He even had Deshaun Jackson for a time period, and the one year, yes, with Chip Kelly that first year when he went on that 27-2 and touchdown to the interception ratio run, yes, he did well with Chip Kelly. Yes, he did well throwing the ball to Deshaun Jackson, but that was the only time. And then after that, he was almost run out of the league. So I don't know what people are expecting out of Nick Foles. I don't know why they think he's that good. Uh, this is the guy who was going to be out of football before he went back to the Philadelphia Eagles to be a backup. He does not do well when he's going into a situation where he's going to be expected to be the starter from day one and everybody knows it, game planning him. Uh, it's going to be a failure. Flippio's not going to be running his offense. So this, in effect, probably is the one coaching change that we're going to talk about that probably has the most minimal impact on the offense itself, because you're still going to be running an offense that was pretty much in place there. And at the end of the day, you're only there to try to bring in the concepts that make Nick that makes Nick Foles the most comfortable, which you can't do because you don't have the personnel. So I just see total disaster here with Jacksonville Jaguars from a fantasy perspective. I like their defense to make a bounce back. Look, they vastly underachieved as a defense last year. I do not expect that that will be the happen to be the case again. As long as their offense can be competent. They will play much better defensively because they pretty much went in the games feeling like if we let up any points, we're going to lose because our offense was just that pathetic last year. And their offense will be competent, not because of DeFupio, not because of Nick Foles, but it will be competent, competent as long as Leonard Fournette is healthy. The only player who I have any fantasy interest in when it comes to Jacksonville Jaguars is Leonard Fournette. And that includes D.D. Westbrook. Look, Westbrook might have some value when it comes to DFS plays, uh, best ball drafts, stuff like that, because he might have a game here or there where he has a big game. But I think it's going to be very few and far in between, and I'm not touching anything else that has to do with that passing game whatsoever. It's Leonard Fournette, it's the Jacksonville Jaguars' defense. Nothing has really changed as far as that being the case. So, like I said, there wasn't going to be a lot to say about the Jacksonville Jaguars, but definitely had to mention the fact uh, that they had a coaching change, number one. But number two, I really wanted to make sure that the clarification on what you can actually expect from this coaching change to be, uh, because there just seems to be a lot of misinformation. I don't want to say misinformation, but uh, misguided ideas out there that somehow they will be running a similar system what they did in Philadelphia, and that's, that's just not going to be the case. So I want to make sure that was clear to everybody listening to this podcast so at least you guys know. If your friends don't, take advantage of the fact that don't touch anybody unless they're named Leonard Fournette or the Jacksonville Jaguar defense and know that everything else is going to flop in everybody else's face. Whenever And whenever somebody tries to walk up and tell you that D.D. Westbrook's going to be a value redraft or or I haven't heard this much, but Nick Foles is going to be a streamer, although I haven't really heard that one. Uh, just tell him, you're wrong, get out of here. And that way you will know better because you listen to this show, the MD's Fantasy Football Show. That's going to come to a close. Remember, to listen to this episode, any other episode, make sure you go to your favorite podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Podbean, Spreaker, anywhere else that you listen to podcasts, the MD's Fantasy Football Show is widely available to you at this point. You could always go to the website, www.mdffshow.com. Always make sure you have me on Twitter. Follow me. Set your alert notifications on at MDFF show for those player up-to-date news notifications, especially this time of the year. And you can also follow me on 
Facebook at MDFF Show as well. Make sure you check out Overtime Heroics. Check out the sports forums. I am there all the time posting questions, answering questions about the re- upcoming Redraft 2019. I will see you guys next Monday for part three of the Coaching Changes Fantasy Impact. Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now's the time to find your color, your paint, and everything to get started during red, white, and blue savings at the Home Depot. Transforming your room is easier than ever. With the best deals online and in-store, you can confidently select your color and the tools for your next paint project. Get a colorful new experience and the right paint for the right price. Save $10 on one gallon and $40 off three and five gallons for a limited time only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 25 gallons per household. See store for details. Get enhanced security for your Wi-Fi network with Xfinity XFi. If it's connected, it's protected. That's simple, easy, awesome. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit today. Restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.